Welcome! You're listening to audio of Bible teaching from Island Community Church in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. At ICC, we are being transformed by Jesus to impact our world. Wherever you are as you listen today, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. We're so glad you're here. We hope today's message will help you grow in relationship with Jesus. You can access more gospel resources and ways to connect with our church at iccmemphis.com. Thanks again for joining us. Okay, good morning. The lights are on, the microphone is on, and David Frazier is here. I'm glad to be here. I, uh, I've been going through jet lag and COVID boosters. Uh, you guys had an ice storm. There's been many ways I couldn't be here, but I am here, and I'm grateful to be here. Uh, my name is David Frazier. Uh, your pastor Barrett is still on sabbatical. I think he'll be back soon. Um, I am what do we call the global missions coach. You don't have to call me Coach Frazier, and I don't wear sport gear, but it means that I help guide and give leadership to the missions endeavors here at ICC with the leadership, as well as help coach and train you in cross-cultural ministry, whether it's here in Memphis, here in the States, or overseas. So that's what I do. My wife, Vicki, and I do it a lot of it together. Um, so I'm grateful to be here on this third and final part of the series. Uh, the other guys have set me up for this, and I'm really excited. Um, this year, you know that the theme is Go, the Go Month is Global God, Global Vision, and Global Christian. We came up with this back in October, and you, you could ask, why is this a, a theme for this month that we do each year? We really believe this is the normal pathway for how each of us discover God's heart for the nations and become engaged in his mission. We have to see all three of these happen in our lives. We have to understand them. So, um, week three, which is today, is going to be global Christian. What does it mean? And I'm going to try to unpack that for you today. And our passage is going to be in Isaiah 6. Um, week one, we had fun going through a lot of scripture. Matt and Tommy took you through from Genesis to Revelation. And you, what I love about that, and you might have said, David, I didn't have a time to go through my Bible, even with my smartphone, and keep up with them. We hope you were overwhelmed by that, because what you saw was that missions didn't begin in Matthew or Acts. It begins in Genesis, and it goes throughout the Old Testament, and it goes all the way to the book of Revelation when, when we're, we're surrounding the throne to worship the Lamb, people from every nation and tribe. And so what you see in that is missions doesn't just happen in the New Testament. And we see that global missions is about a global God. Why are we into missions? Because God is a missionary God. So I hope you saw that global thread throughout of all of scripture. If you uh, got lost in all of that scripture, please uh, contact us. We would love to give you the list and show you how every book of the Bible will show you that God has a heart for the nations. You know, we often think in the Old Testament, God just loved Israel, and then we get to the New Testament, and he loves the church. That's not it. He's always had a heart for the nations. And we saw that in the Old Testament, Israel had always struggled with this. When they asked for God's blessing, and when God blessed them, it was for a purpose. They were blessed 
to be a blessing to other people's. They weren't blessed to just keep it all to themselves. So week one was seeing a global God and his heart for the nations. Week two, Mark got to take us, show us that the whole vision of taking the gospel to all peoples. Uh, Ta ethne is the Greek word meaning all peoples. We often use the word nations. But that's not what the Bible is talking about, geopolitical nations with boundaries. We love maps. I love maps and all the little colors. That's not how God sees the world. He sees the world as peoples, individual ethnic people with language, different languages. And Mark touched on this area of engaging the least reached. And you may say, what what do we mean by the least reached? Don't we have least reached right here or across the street? And we may. But there's a key principle here that we want you to catch here at ICC. Everyone needs the gospel the same all over the planet, but not everyone has the same access to the gospel. And what do we mean by that? We mean there are barriers, like language barriers, cultural barriers. Some of these are bigger than even the distance. We have distance barriers. Politics, government. Some of these people groups are way out in the, up in the mountains or in the deserts. So we may say, oh, is that what you mean by unreached? No, it could be the culture is keeping them from the gospel. So we all need the gospel the same, right here in Memphis, all the way to the mountains of Mongolia. But not all of us have the same access. And that changes the perspective of why we go. But here's the exciting thing. And Mark got to touch on this. And he actually brought friends from a uh, unreached people group right here to ICC last week. God is moving these peoples around the globe through migration, as refugees, as immigrants, as students, bringing them closer to us, closer to the gospel, but not just here in the States. They're moving people all over the world. I just spent a couple of months in a country in the Middle East, and the main stress that country is feeling is the millions of refugees that have poured into that country. But why would God be bringing all this stress to the world? Well, he knows it's shaking countries up. And every country is struggling with with these new visitors among them. Well, it's all about God bringing the gospel to these unreached peoples. If we're not able to get to these people, God says, I will bring them closer to the gospel. And he's brought them right here to our city. So week three... We're going to be looking at the global Christian. Okay, God is on a mission to all peoples, we've learned. There are millions with no access to the gospel. What's our personal response to these? Well, it's to be global Christians. Not worldly Christians, but global Christians. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to get real personal with you today. So I'm, I'm not generally a preacher. Uh, I'm going to share a lot from my own personal story. Uh, And this stuff is really deep, and it's really heavy for me a little bit, and I hope I don't get emotional, but I want you to see what a global Christian is, because our goal is that every one of us would be a global Christian. Uh, We just don't get a pass on this, and I hope you get to see that today. So our core truth, uh, as Barrett teaches us always to have, is global Christians, they know to whom they belong. You know to whom you belong. They recognize God's mission to all peoples. Okay, that's the big vision. That's how far we're going with this. They see the disparity of the gospel worldwide. They see that there are, as as Robbie said, half the planet is in darkness. 
And there are huge pockets of millions of people that don't have access to the God. They see that, and then they commit to personally discovering their particular contribution to God's mission to all peoples. And so I am going to be challenging that way this morning. So we'll, we're going to unpack this right now. So here's the question, based on if you've been here the last two weeks. Can we ignore or deny these truths? No, the scriptures are very clear. I Hopefully you don't get away with going, I didn't even know that this was a global religion like this and God wanted to reach every corner. Yeah. So can we deny these truths? No. Can we dismiss these truths by saying, well, God hasn't called me to that. What do we mean by that called? Uh, God has not called me to go. Oh, is that what you mean? Uh, get on an airplane and go somewhere. Okay, we're going to talk about that. Can we really say God hasn't called me to care about his heart to reach the peoples? No, we can't say that. Can we really not be involved in his mission? Do you really want to say that to God? I know that's what your passion is, Lord. I know that's what's driving all of history. I'm not interested in that. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about that. What is a calling? What do we mean by calling? You know, often we we like to think uh, certain people get a calling. Do only a few receive a calling in life? I'm going to challenge you with that. You know, I'm often introduced. This is David Frazier. David was called to be a missionary. You know, this is Robbie. He was called to full-time ministry. What about the rest of us? Doing our own thing. <laughs> Just found a good, you know, got into this school. I'm studying this degree. I hope I make a good living. Is there a calling on your life? Oh, no, no, let's don't go that far. Okay, why are you living here? Oh, it's not a calling. But David, David was called to live in the Middle East because he has a burden for these. Come on, guys. Stay with me here, okay? Let's hope the power stays on, and I'm going to take you through a little journey today. So you know where I'm going, don't you? Okay, so next slide here. How do we discover our calling to global missions? I'm going to show you. Is every follower of Christ called to missions? Oh, David, is everybody called to global missions? Lock the doors. I'm not, until we're done, I hope you can answer that question, okay? Let's look at how the Lord called one of his servants, Isaiah, as a young man in the year 740 BC. That's right. Isaiah was probably the age of some of you in his 20s. And this guy really got a vision of God, okay? Um, let's look uh, at Isaiah 6. And the first thing God does for Isaiah to understand his calling in life is he wants him to see God correctly. All these songs we've been singing up here, is just, I feel like, I don't know, did you guys look at my notes? But all that worship of God, that was all about seeing God correctly. And so first thing we need is a revelation of God. So Isaiah 6, first, first four verses says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, Isaiah, saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Can you all imagine this? Anyone ever had a dream like this? You won't recover, I'm telling you. High and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So we often think of, you've been to a, a wedding, and you think of a, a train being what, 15, 10, 20 feet? This filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, these angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy. One just wasn't enough. Two wasn't enough. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations 
of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Okay, this is the first thing God wants Isaiah to see. He doesn't come in and tell him, I need some help on my mission. He says, the first thing you need to see is see who I am. First step is in discovering our calling to God's mission, to what God is about, is seeing God as he is, in his holiness, his complete sinlessness, his beauty, his glory, and recognizing he is God of the universe. This is God's way of saying, first things first, you need to know who I am. This will clear up all things for you. When you think of any of your friends that you, you say, I wish they would know the Lord. I wish they would come to Christ. I wish they would abandon their way of life and turn to God. What do they need? They just need to see God. You all with me? They don't need to see me. They don't need to see church. They need to just see God. Because if they could see God and that he is God of all creation, all peoples, all nations, and deserves and seeks worship from all. That would be enough. Guys, if this roof could lift right now and we could see the Lord high and lifted up, the sermon is over. There's nothing else for me to say. You all know what you need to know. Are you following me? This is incredible what God gave to Isaiah. What's going on in heaven? If we could just lift this and say, Robbie, sit down, man. You're doing great, but you're done. We're just going to see heaven now. And there's a choruses of angels singing, holy, holy, holy. Guys, everything would be clear. Oh, is this, oh, 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 this is what's going on in reality. Gosh, guys, we, reality TV, reality. What's reality today? If only God would show us heaven and see all the peoples worshiping him from every corner of the planet. You'd know what to do. I'd know what to do, wouldn't we? What does Piper say? Missions exist because worship doesn't in so many places. We engage in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth or right across the street. Why? So that all peoples can see God and worship him. That's the goal, worship. So the first thing Isaiah needs to see is to see God correctly. Okay? I'm going to make a note here. Isaiah's vision becomes the defining moment in his life and ministry. This changes him forever. And this is God's way of setting him up so that his message will always be affected by this first vision. This vision will define everything else by how he relates to God. He will define everything in his message by how it relates to God, his glory, his holiness. Why? Because he never got over his vision. Do you see that? Like, how do I prepare Isaiah for this? I should teach him what he's going to say, give him his prophetic messages. No. We need to see the Lord and never get over it. Are y'all following me? Those of you that are still in love with Christ are because you met him and you've never gotten over it. And that's why you want to tell other people about it. Interesting, Isaiah's name means the Lord Yahweh saves. And so we're going to look at, uh, we're, going to, we're going to see how that comes out. Have you seen the Lord, the God of the universe? 
sitting on his throne, high and lifted up, with his angels crying, holy, 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 overwhelmed by his holiness and glory. That's what the Lord wants you to do. When you really see the Lord in his holiness, you're totally aware of who you are, that you are not holy. Do you see how God is doing? First see me, and then you're going to see yourself correctly. That's what God says. First see me, and then you will know who you are. What did Moses, the burning bush, take your shoes off, Moses? Where are you? Moses like, I, I, I don't know if you know me. Just shut up, Moses. I need to show you who I am. And you'll know a lot about the rest of your life. So that moves us to the next step. Part two, seeing yourself correctly. And we will see the redemption of God. This is what, this, what you need to, to understand your calling. So in verse 5, Isaiah says, I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's done. Woe is me. We don't use that word much these days. I'm ruined. I'm overwhelmed. I'm aware of my sin. So Isaiah is fully aware of his sin, his need of cleansing. You know what the King James says, I'm undone. I love that word, I'm undone. <laughs> I'm coming apart. I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. He knows something is broken in him. Have you been overwhelmed by God? Have you seen his holiness? Have you seen yourself correctly? Have you fallen down before the Lord saying, woe is me, I am unclean? And the exciting thing is, how does God respond? Verse 6, then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Isaiah means Yahweh saves. Okay? So Isaiah is unclean. He's being cleansed. His sin is being atoned for. We can't clean ourselves. God must do it. So I asked you, has God touched you and said, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for? Okay, experiencing the redemption of God is the next step in knowing your calling. You're like, David, I thought this was a missions conference. What do you mean calling? Are you, I, I don't understand this calling word, David. I thought we were just going to talk about missions for a while and say, anybody here want to go? Raise your hand. We got a couple, Lauren, in this great. Um, no, guys, that's not what this is about. This is, a, this is a different calling we're going to be talking about. So let's go keep on going here. Once you've experienced this salvation, you become fully aware that you were once lost, and now you're found. You were blind, and now you see. You belong to another. You belong to the devil. Boy, are these unpopular words to talk about today. Satan's for real? Yes. Hell's for real? Hell's for real. See, that's not really... That is so unpopular. Well, that's the real. You belong to the devil, and now you belong to God and his kingdom. Guys, you've been bought with a price if this is the path you've been down. You're not your own anymore. You're his. Okay? Thanks for listening today. Feel free to email us with your questions to 
david at esionline.org. It's always encouraging to hear from our listeners how God is using this podcast. Our ministry is called Equipping Servants International, which exists to equip churches, organization, and individuals to reach the nations both at home and abroad. Our desire is to see people better equipped when they leave, be able to thrive and be effective on the field, and transition back home well. Our book is called Mission Smart, 15 Critical Questions to Ask Before Launching Overseas, and it's available on Amazon in paperback or Kindle. Remember to subscribe to our podcast to get more episodes as they're published.